The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. We spoke to Kinsan Gupta uh, from the Independent a little bit earlier, who gave us an update on how close we are, or different parties are um, in Israel and Gaza to a ceasefire. And I see the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu speaking at the moment, talking about. Uh, progress having been made. If there's any uh, kind of news on that front, of course, we will uh, bring it to you here on the Hard Shoulder. Right now, though, it gives me great, great pleasure to welcome to studio Ibrahim Alaha, a man I've spoken to several times on the phone in, in recent weeks while he was trapped with his family um, in Gaza. Ibrahim, thanks a million for coming You're in welcome. to us. And it is great to see you in person and uh, fit and healthy and uh, back in Ireland. Um, how does it feel to be Amazing, back? amazing. What day did you get back? I was back uh, on, I arrived at Dublin Saturday. Yeah. Yeah. Was there times during those few weeks in Gaza where you questioned whether you would ever get back? A lot of times. Um, Several occasions that I thought, this is going to be my last night and I'm never going to be out. And especially also, um, when I went, when I got out out of Gaza, it was a Wednesday the communication was supposed to be cut on Thursday. So on Thursday, all communications cut off. And I thought to myself, if Thursday comes, then we're talking about weeks before things will go back to normal. And there's a high chance, especially that Hanunis, uh, what city was where I was in, large areas was put under a military zone by Israel. So it was getting very, very dangerous. So if we can go back in time to October the 7th, yep. when we all woke up to the news of this Hamas attack um, in Israel. What was your immediate reaction to that? Did, did you kind of have a sense there's going to be, there's going to be retribution for this? You know, there's a storm coming. Yes, everyone, everyone um, knew that this is going to lead to a war. But people in Gaza, I mean, this is now the fourth war they're experiencing in the last 10 or 15 years, right? So, um, and this is the first time Hamas starts the war. So every time we're used, that we're just taken by surprise. Israel just starts something. No, this time Hamas started it. So um, uh, people were thinking maybe it's going to be quite intense, you know, an mm. intense war. So did you, like that, that day, October 7, October 8, I mean, did you immediately think... It's time to get out of here yep. if we can. Yeah, and and tell me about that then. How yep. how how soon you realised that was not going to happen? Yeah. So um, from my experience, um, uh, usually whenever there's problems and there's wars in Gaza, um, the every embassy will step in and take its citizen out, and it usually does that within the first day or two, mm. right? And I was thinking, okay, um, the war is starting, but I, I'm hoping that within a couple of days I'm going to be out of here, right? I contacted the embassy and, of course, they assured that they'll do everything they can. But never did I expect it's going to be taking all that long time. It took around 40 days to get me out. And during all of this, where in Gaza were you? So initially on the 7th of October, I was in Gaza City. I had an apartment over there. I had an apartment. It was destroyed now. Um, and I stayed there for a couple of days. There was one night where there was heavy, heavy bombing in Gaza and very close to my apartment. And the next day I took the decision, I want to leave Gaza and go to my family's home, which is in Khan Yunus. Um, 
and that's where I've spent the rest of the war. Can you describe, because I appreciate like, having been through it, um, it, it, it's something you got used to, it doesn't make it any easier, but so many people listening to this would never experience anything like that. I mean, when you were in your apartment in Gaza City and rockets are beginning to kind of rain down and destroy buildings around you, and your your kids were there yep. with you, your three, three kids yeah, were there yeah, with yeah. you, three very young kids, not yeah. similar ages to my own, yours at three, four and eight, I think you were telling me. Yes. Um, Describe what that was like. Yeah. So that night, um, they were targeting the university I studied at. It was around two kilometers away from my house. But it, during the night, I'm, I'm, we're talking about five or six hours. There's a every five minute interval, there's a bomb coming down. And the sound of that bomb, you first you will hear the whistle coming down. There's a whistle sound coming in. You know the whistle, the, the bomb is coming. And then you hear this huge, massive explosion with the house, the building. You feel it shaking. You hear with every explosion, there's some windows being broken, you know, and screaming, people just screaming around you, whether whether in my house, my children or the neighbors. You will hear screaming from everywhere because, I mean, I was in a war in 2008, but never, ever did I hear or feel any of the explosion that we heard this time. And those whistles that you hear ahead of the, yeah. the, the the bomb hitting. I mean, over time, do you get used to working out how close it might be yes, based on those yes, whistles? Exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So um, <clears throat> basically, a whistle that that starts kind of very um, a loud whistle, it, it, it would get it would get very um, the, the noise would get smaller and smaller. And you know that it, it started very close to you, but it travels far away. So the when the flight comes in, it drops the bomb. It could be very, it could be near you, but mm. it doesn't mean that it's going to drop beside you. It's going to be far away. You know, the real one is where you hear that feel that sound. It's it starts a very small one, but it gets increasing, increasing. You know, that's where you feel it. But then, even my children will know that they will hear the whistle. Right. And they will know that something is coming now. Yeah. And we used to, especially when we were sitting down, whenever we hear that whistle, we were always looking at each other, wondering, is that is that bomb going to target us or are we going to be safe? And once we hear the explosion far away, we thank God it's 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 not us. Even and why I ask that is it just strikes me that. I mean, just the psychological trauma or terror of that it reminds me that the the stuka the dive bombers the germans used where they had an actual siren on the mm. plane while they were dive bombing yeah. so that people would would hear it yeah and even the sound of it itself yeah and not to kind of suddenly kind of you know in, introduce the germans and the nazis into the conversation and go down that road but you know it, that's just the point i'm making yeah, i mean yeah, there's yeah. a kind of a, there's a traumatizing element yeah, to yeah, to yeah. to even hearing the start of that yes, whistle and immediately yes, yes. trying to work out how loud is that? Is that a loud one? So it's going yes. far away or yeah, is that yeah, quiet yeah. and on its yeah, way here? Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, especially during the night, it, it affected us a lot. But what I would like to say is that, and I witnessed it myself, I was a couple of times in a market in the city centre and I was one time I was filming and there was a bomb that came down and I heard the whistle and I heard the explosion. But what I noticed is everyone around me was just living their normal lives as nothing happened. What I was thinking is that people are getting used to it. Unfortunately, they're getting used to it. It's mm. one after the other after the other. 
they have reached to the point where they got used to it. <clears throat> but when it, when it, where it really gets scary is during the night when you're alone in a room, sometimes with my family, that's where it gets really scary. How successful were you at shielding the kids from the reality of what was happening? I'm, I mean, it was very difficult to shield them completely, especially mm. my eldest son, Sammy, eight years old, because he was watching the TV. He was listening to the radio. He understood what was going on. Um, he can he can see the smoke and understand that that smoke came from as a result from an explosion. And he will listen to the radio and hear that several people have died from that. So he knew what was going on, you know. And how did it impact him? Or do you uh, know, can you tell? Yes, yes, how it yes. yes. So um, <clears throat> during the night, um, now he, he used to sleep alone uh, here in Dublin. But now what I'm noticing is that he always wants to sleep hugging someone or beside someone. He's overthinking a lot of things. So he he heard the story about, oh, he knows that windows get broken if they're not open properly or something. So he has now a fear of sleeping beside a window because it might break. He heard the story of a door that got jammed after an explosion and did it open and there was people trapped in. He doesn't want to see a door closed. He always wants to see the door open. So things like that. There's also a lot of nights where he had really bad nightmares and, and just wake up screaming, you know. So that's all the effects that I noticed on him, Sammy. It, I mean, that must be uh, must be awful for you as parents as well. Yes. Yeah. Dealing with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tell me then when you moved out of Gaza. So your apartment that you were staying in, that no longer exists. That, that no is gone. Longer exists. It's gone. Yeah. Was it destroyed long after you left? Um, I think it's uh, one week to okay. 10 days after I left. Were people killed when it was destroyed, I don't know. that building? I don't know. I I, um, I got the news maybe 24 hours after it was destroyed. Okay. I don't know what happened. So at this stage you had moved to, where did you say? Hanunis. So where is my, yeah, to the south. Um, and at this stage you're, you're kind of, you had been speaking to us and speaking to others, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm sure, because we, we, I, I remember talking to you around then as well yeah. and kind of hoping to get onto these lists that yes. were starting to appear. Yes. Um, uh, uh, people who had passports other than kind of um, those issued um, by the Palestinian Authority or, or, or by Hamas or whoever it happened to be. And you have an Irish passport, so you're hoping to get on this list. Yes. To get out of Gaza. Yeah. Um, Tell me about the kind of the ups and downs of that, because I'm sure yeah, maybe yeah, when yeah. those lists started to appear, yeah, yeah. you probably thought, yeah, right, yeah. this is great. You know, our exactly. neutral country, passport well exactly. regarded around the world. Exactly. We're exactly. getting out. Exactly. So um, when we heard the news, it, I think it was the 1st of November that the borders started going to start to open and it's going to open on um, this procedure where you have a list with nationalities and names to be cleared. And on the first day, I had really big hopes that, um, you know, Ireland would be on the list and I will see my name. But I was surprised, uh, well, not surprised, but I, I saw countries like the UK, USA, France, all of these big countries, you know. So I think to myself, OK, maybe maybe it's going to start with these big countries, but Ireland, Ireland maybe is going to be in the next phase since it's a Western country, it's a European country, you know, so all of that. And then... The second day I had really big hopes, but it was destroyed. Um, I didn't see Ireland on the list. And it happened a third time and a fourth and a fifth and a sixth time. 
and no signs of Ireland. Now, now we were in a stage where all, or let's say, the vast majority of European countries were on the list. Mm. We were now talking after six days, we're seeing now East European countries like Macedonia, Moldova, Ukraine, Russia, Georgia, Azerbaijan on the list. Then the next day we were seeing countries like East Asia. So it's, it's, as, it's as if all European countries has uh, been on the list and for some reason Ireland and I think Spain were just left out. You know, mm. until this day, we uh, and I, it, it came to the day where um, Thursday was a day where um, Palestinian side, side that um, said that the all communications would be cut off because of lack of energy resources. Mm. So I was thinking Wednesday is going to be my last chance if I don't get on that list. It's going to take weeks to recover back the communications and, you know, it'll be weeks before I get out. And luckily... I was on the list on a Wednesday before the cutoff. What was that like, that moment you see the name oh on the list? Oh my God, um, amazing. Um, so how does that, even for people listening, a list, I mean, how does that <coughs> appear? Is it online it gets posted? Yeah, so um, the way it works, embassies know in advance about the next list. So I was actually, I knew the first time I knew that I'm going to be on the list was a call from the Department of Foreign Affairs saying that okay. your name is going to be on the next list. Okay, so the way, way it works is that um, it goes from the way I understood it works is Israel issues the list, it passes it to Egypt, and then Egypt passes it to Palestinians, and the Palestinians just publish it whenever they get it on their website, right? So you're just waiting and waiting, waiting for that web- website, right? Um, when I saw it, I confirmed that that information was correct. Yeah, I headed straight away to the border. And it was, you know, a really, really one of my best moments in, in my life, really. When you see it or when you get over the border? I mean, it's it's kind of chaotic, I assume, is it? Yes, at the so border? the border, <clears throat> the, both the Egyptian and the Palestinian border, um, usually two to three hours to cross both sides. But this time it took me, I think, it was seven hours or eight hours to cross both sides. Wow. And it was two problems, shortage of staff and also very, very strict paperwork and checking of the names and documentation was very, very strict. And when you walked through that yeah. border crossing and you knew, listen, you know, the possibility of some IDF bomb landing on us now has just dwindled to absolute yeah. zero. Yeah, we yeah. are on safe ground. We're in Egypt. Next stop. Dublin and home. How does that feel? Like looking at your kids, three kids who are in such peril. Yeah, yeah. Very, very mixed feelings. Um, On the positive side, very happy that, as you said, we're in safety now. We're no longer going to face any of the hunger and the thirst and the, um, the fear and the darkness that we had. But on the other side, I mean, a lot of friends and family that we've just left behind that we don't know if we were ever going to see them again. Yeah. And also the memories that I had of the nice city, the beautiful city of Gaza, where I was, you know, raised up, it's going to be gone. And I'm not sure how long it would take me to get back or ever see it again, you know. Yeah, what future do you think? I don't know. But Gaza? I, I don't know. But um, what, I, what I see from every war before that... It, Gaza was in ruins, but the people are strong. I'm telling you, people of Gaza are really strong. And every time it's rebuilt and it's better than before, right? But this time it's a bit different, 
the scale of the war that happened this time is at least 10 times the greatest war that even happened before. Yeah. So I don't know how long it will take, but I'm sure it's going to be back. It's going to be in beautiful city. I don't know how long, but it will be that, that image. Well, listen, I know you are on the other side now and in contact, I'm sure, with everyone you know in Gaza trying to find out who is safe yeah. uh, on any given day. So... Um, it is great to talk to you, Ibrahim. Thank you very thanks much. a million. And, and it is great that you got out and that the kids got out. And, you know, I hope that they get that support wrapped around them that they need because that sort of stuff is going to follow them around for a while afterwards. Yeah. But listen, they are they're back on, on kind of terra firma, at least. So listen, thank you. Thanks a million for coming in uh, to see us. Ibrahim Alaha. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from four on News Talk.